Hi there, and welcome to Totally His Running the Race, a show enabling young men and women who want to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Tim Harris, podcasting from EI School of Biblical Training in Greenville, South Carolina. Thanks for joining. This is episode nine, and in this episode, I have the opportunity to share with you. And so what we're going to be talking about is a truth that has been very impactful in in my life, and I'm trusting that the Lord will use it in your life as well. It's a very practical truth that we're going to be thinking about. But before we get into it, let's go ahead and pray, commit the time to the Lord. Father, as we think on your word, I pray that you would work in our hearts, that we would know how to apply what we're going to hear, that we would be not just hearers of your word, but doers of your word as well. So we commit this time to you, trusting you to speak, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. I would imagine that some of you have felt rather lonely recently in the past couple of months. Perhaps you've been isolated, and it's been hard because you're not able to connect with people. I was talking to someone recently, and he mentioned that that had been his experience, especially um, in the past couple of weeks, where at least here in in South Carolina early on in in, um, the summer, the, the spring, uh, we were in much of a much more lockdown than we are now, and, and it was a hard time for him. And um, he mentioned how through that, God gave him a, a greater desire to be with other believers. Have you felt that too? Have you just had that great desire of oh, I just want to be back at church? I I just want to be back together with my small group and. And not just online, you know, you want to be in person with these other believers. You know, if you've had that, that desire, if that's been um, your experience, there's a good reason for that. And the reason is that God has created us as believers to want to be together with other believers. Here in Greenville, where, where I live, there's a lot of people that like to cycle. And sometimes if you're, you know, you're driving along these different roads, you'll come along cyclists. Sometimes it's just one cyclist. And, you know, as a driver, uh, it's a little intimidating because you, uh, you know, it, 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 you, you don't want to hit the person and you're trying to pass them because they're slower than you. And, um, and then at other times, you know, you come across an even more intimidating instance where you face a whole Group, I don't know if they're called packs or groups or what the term is, but uh, it's a whole bunch of cyclists, and that's even more intimidating because you're like, oh, I really got to swerve over, but I don't want to hit a car and and all of that. Um, but you know, I, I, as I was thinking about it recently, I was thinking of the fact that it's really quite helpful to be in a group of cyclists. It's way better to be bicycling with people than just on your own. And there's a lot of reasons for that. One is just it's obviously safer. A car is less likely going to um, to hit you. You know, they're going to see a whole group of cyclists as opposed to one cyclist. And uh, so it's a lot safer to be in a group. And I'd imagine it's a lot more encouraging when it's hard and you're tired. You can encourage other people and you get to talk with them. And um, there's just a lot of benefits 
to being part of that that group. What we're going to be thinking about today is is the benefits of being a part of a group of believers. You know, when when we were saved, God created it so that we were placed in a group. We call this the church, but sometimes we we think of church as like a building. That's not at all the way the word church um, is really meant to be. It's when we church is is people. It's not a particular building. And so when we're saved, God puts us together in a church, in a group of believers. And we're moving all together in this journey of following the Lord. You know, we're, this series, it's about running the race. And the truth is, none of us run alone. We're called to run with other brothers and sisters. And so in this session, as I mentioned, we're, we're going to be thinking about the benefits and really just one benefit of being a part of a group of believers. There's a lot of benefits, but one particular benefit we're going to focus in on. And to help us, I want to mention the statement that we're going to sort of use as a compass as we go along. If you think about a compass, how it helps you guide through a, a map and all, um, this is our compass. Helps us kind of get a bearing here as we go and think through these, these truths today. So here, here's the statement we're going to be working through. God adopts us into his family when we are saved. So that's the first part we're going to think about. And then we're going to think about the second part. He intends for us to fellowship with him and other brothers and sisters. So let me read that as a whole. God adopts us into his family when we are saved and intends for us to fellowship with him and other brothers and sisters. Now, as we think through this, I I do want to mention uh, right off the bat that uh, I'm really grateful to uh, a lot of different ones. I I was looking at different resources and preparing for this this episode and really helped by a lot of different ones. So a lot of this is not fully original. And and I'm going to quote uh, a particular author that was really helpful to read later on and uh, attribute that quote to him, give honor to honor is to whom honor is due. Um, but going back to that statement, God adopts us into his family when we are saved. Let's think about that as we get started here. Where do we see that truth in, in scripture? Well, if we go to John chapter 1, verse 12, if you have your Bible, you can turn there. Let me read a verse to you that, that talks about this. It talks about when we were adopted and how we were adopted. John 1, verse 12. But to all who receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. To all who received him, and then John clarifies, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's how we were adopted into God's family. It wasn't like it was just an automatic thing that happened um, when we were born, but we have to be born again, and we have to become children of God. And it's when we trust in Him, we turn to Him in faith and repentance. Um, that's when we be, are adopted. Paul talks about this in Galatians 3.26, where he mentions it's through faith. That's, that's how we were adopted into God's family. 
And being adopted means that we relate to God, not just as God, but now we relate to Him as as children and He is our Father. So we can call Him Father, we can look to Him as Father, and He cares for us as a good Father. Now, being adopted also means that we have other family members. We have brothers and sisters. It's just part of the package that not only do we relate to God as our Father and we're His children, but now we have siblings as well. And there's other verses we, we could look at to, that, that shows us this, that where Scripture talks about us having now brothers and sisters because we are adopted into God's family. Now, I want you to think about this. Remember this. The next time you, you go to church... Um, or to a church service, and you gather with the church, your brothers and sisters in Christ, that you're coming together to a family. This is a family gathering. You're meeting with other brothers and sisters. And so, you know, think about that. that This isn't just these random people I'm getting together with. No, this is your family that you're getting together with. Again, when we were saved, we were put into a group, just like that group of cyclists, and we're not running the Christian life alone, but we're, we're with others. And as I mentioned, there's a lot of benefits to that. And we're going to be thinking about this one particular benefit, and it was in that statement that I read earlier, that God adopts us into his family when we are saved. We just looked at that very briefly, but we looked at that. But it's in the second part. God intends for us to fellowship with him and other brothers and sisters. That's the truth we're really going to be sitting on and thinking about for the rest of our time, that we're called to fellowship. So we're, we're going to start there. What is, what is fellowship? It's interesting to note that when the church first started, when our early brothers and sisters in Christ were first gathering together, they were giving themselves to fellowship, to fellowshipping with one another. Acts 2.42 talks about that. This is when the church has just really started. Peter preaches a message, about 3,000 people get saved. It's right after Pentecost. And it says they devoted themselves, this is the believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. So they gave themselves to, to fellowshipping and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So what does it mean, though, that they gave themselves to fellowship, the fellowship? Well, let's just define that Greek word there. It's a word that has the basic idea, and we're not going to spend a time going through it, but the basic idea is that of sharing. And that Greek word could be used in a lot of different ways. One was like a business partnership. You partner with someone, you share with them, participate with them, and you are aiming at something, you know, business and and um, making money in it and, and, and whatnot. So there's kind of this idea of sharing or partnership and of course, sharing has two components to it. When you're sharing something, you are giving something, but you're also receiving. If you have food, say, and, um, and I don't, and we're eating lunch together, then, um, and you wanted to share with me, you're giving 
your food and I'm receiving it. So sharing has this two-way sort of street of giving and receiving. And I know that sounds really simple, but that's kind of the basic idea of, of fellowship. There's a giving part and there's a receiving part. So God intends for us to fellowship with Him and with other brothers and sisters. Where do we get the idea that God intends for this to to happen? Well, let's think about how God intends for us to fellowship with Him. If you've been following this series, you you know we've covered this before in, in several different episodes. The fact that God created us for Him, to know Him, to fellowship with Him. Um... And um, we see that in different passages of Scripture. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 9, uh, 1 John 1, 3. We, um, we won't take the time to, to look at those, but you can go and see that, that God intends for us to fellowship with Him. Now, you might be thinking, um, wait a minute, how does that work? Like you said, fellowship means sharing, and it means giving and receiving. How does that work with, with God, that we would give and, and receive? Well, first of all, God doesn't need anything. Let's be clear about that. But we are called to give something to God. When we're first saved, we give Him our lives. We say, Lord, take our life, whatever you want, use it for your glory. And of course, that's an ongoing process because there's areas in our lives that maybe we didn't realize weren't surrendered or we take over for ourselves and realize, oh no, we've got to put it back in God's hands. And so we continue to give back to the Lord as we journey along with Him. So there is a giving aspect in our relationship to the Lord. And of course, there's a receiving aspect. We have received so much. We've already talked about the fact we've received adoption from God and we are His children. So, and, and we could just keep going on and on and, and talking about what we've received from, from God. But there's this giving and receiving part. Now, to fellowship with God is the mark of a true Christian. A person can be religious. You can memorize a lot of scripture, read a lot of scripture. But if you're not truly fellowshipping with, with God, you're not a true Christian. There's a lot of religious activity you can do, but if you don't have a relationship with God, then you're not a true believer. And so the wonderful aspect of Christianity, though, is that we do get to fellowship with God, and, and God has made that possible for us by, by redeeming us with the blood of His own Son, Jesus Christ. Now, here's a point we need to make. That fellowship with God is necessary in order to then have fellowship with other believers. And you could think of it in the sense that there's a vertical component, this fellowship with God being the vertical. And there's a horizontal component, our relationship with other believers. And if there's going to be a horizontal component, if there's going to be true fellowship with other believers, there first has to be that vertical part. There has to be a relationship with God first. So God intends for us to fellowship with Him and to fellowship with other believers. And and that's what we want to move on to talk about now, this horizontal aspect. And this is the last point we're going to uh, finish out with. God intends for us to fellowship with others. We noted that already in 1 John 1, 3. But another verse you could look at is Romans 1, 11. 
Go ahead and turn there if you have your Bible, Romans 1.11. You don't see the word fellowship in this verse, or we're going to look at two verses, but you see the idea of fellowship being mentioned. Paul writes and says, For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. So here we see Paul's desire to fellowship. He wants to impart something to the believers in Rome. And he recognizes he's receiving something. So he's receiving encouragement. So you see this kind of give and receive there, this sharing that's, that's taking place. Let's think about this matter more. And to do that, I want to provide a scenario, just an example. You get together with other Christian friends. Maybe you invite them over to your house. You're going to have a dinner and you want them to come over and um, eat dinner together. And over the course of the night, you, you know, you're talking about all different things going in your life. Maybe some different interests you have. Maybe you're interested in sports or some of you may be into fashion or um, maybe you're talking about your jobs or how your summer's been going or just how different life is living under uh, a pandemic and Everyone leaves and, 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 you know, you've had a great time together. Would you classify that as true Christian fellowship? Would you say that that time was a time of fellowship, true fellowship? Now, I'm not going to give any answer yet. But we're going to get there. One thing that has really struck me as I've been preparing for this episode is what really defines true Christian fellowship? How do we know that that has occurred? Is it simply like we talked about, just having people over and talking about life? Now, to evaluate the situation that I just mentioned, let's go back to how we define fellowship, okay? We said the basic definition, and I know we keep mentioning this, but there's that giving and receiving to it. We talked about how the early church practiced fellowship. Now, to help us further understand fellowship, I, I want to read a quote to you from J.I. Packer. I was really helped by him in researching this. And um, I want to read, it, uh, it's a book that he wrote called God's Words. So I want to read to you just a little bit of what he wrote there. I think it's very helpful in understanding what true fellowship is. Fellowship becomes a reality whenever two or more Christians, desiring to help each other to know God better, do in fact share with each other such knowledge of God as they individually possess. Let me read that again. Fellowship becomes a reality whenever two or more Christians, desiring to help each other to know God better, do in fact share with each other such knowledge of God as they individually possess. Do you see what he's saying here? He's saying there needs to be at least two Christians, and there needs to be more than the, just two Christians coming together. And you need, there, there needs to be the sharing of knowing God. If we go back to that scenario of, of the party, um, do you really get much deeper than just the surface level of what, what's going on in your life? Do you, as a result of that time together, did you know God better? I think that's the crucial element there. I want to read to you just one other statement that Packer 
writes from in, in that same book that I found helpful as well. Here's the what he writes. We should not think, therefore, think of our fellowship with other Christians as a spiritual luxury, an optional addition to the exercises of private devotion. We should re- recognize, rather, that such fellowship is a spiritual necessity, for God has made us in such a way that our fellowship with himself is fed by our fellowship with fellow Christians and requires to be so fed constantly for its own deepening and enrichment. So here he he goes further to say, you don't just need Christian fellowship, but if you want to know God better, you have to have Christian fellowship. That's the essence of what he's saying. It's a spiritual necessity. And if you're not fellowshipping with other believers, there's something lacking in what you know about God. It's a really strong statement. But I think he's right there. That we were meant to fellowship with other believers. And we were meant to point one another back to the Lord. So as we gather together with other believers, what does it look like? Well, it can, it can involve talking about day-to-day life things or our interests like sports or fashion. Sure, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But if we want to go and have true Christian fellowship, we have to go deeper than, than those things. It's just like, you know, we have, we have to talk about things more than just what we would talk about with non-believing friends in order for there to be true fellowship. And we need to talk, we should be talking about the Lord, who the Lord is, what He's been teaching us, and what we've been seeing about His character as we've been going along in the Christian life. So the goal of true Christian fellowship is a deeper fellowship with God Himself. That's what we aim for. So this can be really take place anywhere. It can be at a coffee shop with another believer. It could be over the phone. It could be online through some other calling platform. That's fine. It could be at church. It can be praying with another believer. Uh, it, the, the, the place and, and, and the mode of communication, that doesn't really matter. It's the goal of wanting to help others, and also for yourself to learn more about who God is. To know the Lord better. So, again, yeah, that example I put forward, if you just talked about sports and just surface level sort of things, just life in general, then I would say, no, that that wasn't true Christian fellowship. But if you came away knowing God better as a result of it, then sure, that would be classified as true Christian fellowship. So, in wrapping up, let me just put these two tips before you regarding Christian fellowship, true Christian fellowship, and then we'll, we'll close out. I have a few more comments and then we'll be done. Tip number one, seek true Christian fellowship. This isn't necessarily something that just happens. It's, it's something to strive after. We must seek in our relationships with other believers to speak about the Lord. And for, for some, that maybe that's natural, but it's not always the most natural thing. For some reason, it just seems that way. We, we talk about you know life or our interests, but we don't always get to talk about the Lord. 
And I think a lot of Christians are lacking in true Christian fellowship. And part of the reason for that is you don't know what that is. Well, now now you do. If you're listening to this, you do. Um, so now seek after it. Pursue it. Tip number two. This is going to involve humility. You have to have humility. Because true Christian fellowship is not just you or I doing all the talking. You have to be willing to receive the other person that you're talking to, you have to be willing to listen to them. And, you know, sometimes it may be a younger believer in the Lord. And that takes humility. That you, you can't just come and think, oh, I know everything, so I'm going to teach you. You have to be willing to say, no, they, they know something of the Lord. They've been learning something of the Lord that I need to hear. So there's going to be humility involved. So those are two tips that I just want to close and and. Um, give out to you here. Um, let me also mention this. I, I want to challenge you to pursue this Christian fellowship. In fact, this week, try to have at least one interaction or conversation with uh, one, at least one other true Christian. Have true Christian fellowship this week. Just try it. One interaction. Uh, I think you'll find it refreshing and enjoyable. As you talk about the Lord and, and hear about the Lord from someone else. Okay, let's just do a quick recap and we'll be done. One, we start off by talking about the fact that when we are saved, God adopts us. He puts us in his family. Two, not only has he done that, but he also wants us to fellowship with him. Three, we, we talked about he wants fellowship, he wants us to fellowship with other believers, brothers and sisters. You know, we are adopted into a family with siblings. And we talked about he, God intends for us to fellowship. What is true Christian fellowship? Well, we define that. We define it as giving and receiving, a sharing, participation with. And of course, in true Christian fellowship, it's a sharing about who the Lord is. The goal is to know the Lord better. So again, I encourage you to try to have one true one instance of true Christian fellowship this week. All right, let's go ahead and close our time in prayer. Father, I thank you for how you have made us and how you've put us together in your family. Thank you that we can call you Father. Thank you that we have other brothers and sisters who help us walk with you. I pray for myself and each one listening that, Father, we would grow in this area of true Christian fellowship. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Totally His Running the Race. I trust you are encouraged as you seek to grow in your relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. If you'd like to listen to more messages that will be an encouragement in your walk with the Lord, go to the school's website, www.eibibleschool.org, and click on the Resources tab that's at the top of the page, and then you can select the audio library in the drop-down. Training students to develop a passionate relationship with Jesus Christ that expresses itself in a life devoted to the advancement of God's kingdom is why EI School of Biblical Training exists. We offer a two-year unaccredited associate's degree where students attend classes, hear the Word of God taught, study the Word, and are encouraged to develop their relationship with the Lord. Our classes are designed to be both intellectually challenging and heart-searching. Some stay on for a third year and work towards getting a bachelor's degree. 
If you'd like to find out more about the school, visit our website, www.eibibleschool.org. Again, that's www.eibibleschool.org.